What's up and welcome to the DualSense Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jason, and I'm not joined this time by your other co-host, Travis. He is at work being a busy boy, but instead I'm joined by a very special guest. He is our brother from down under, our brother in PlayStation as well. He's known as Mr. Ryan Betson from the Pop Culturist for the Players podcast out of Australia. Ryan, thank you for uh, being on the show. You're the only guest that I ever have on the show, which I love. It's like part of the war of the show. So thank you for doing the show. Thank you for being here. And how are you? I'm very well, man. Very, very well. And I'm more than happy to come and do this show. I, 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 look, I'm shameless. I'll talk anywhere, but there is something special about coming and doing this show with, with yourself, man. Like it's, uh, it's good. Yeah. You and I align in a lot of our PlayStation thoughts and it's a good little ecosystem Mm -hmm. to be a part of, like with there being not an abundance of PlayStation podcasts, but a number of, you know, key players, um, big boys. It's fun to sort of hang around in the, uh, in in the little guys, you know what I mean? Like, which is us, which is you, it's me, it's my a couple mm-hmm. other mates that I have in the, in the space. But uh, at least we will come together and do cool stuff. So good. yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I would if you were going to use a, a gaming metaphor, I would consider like you know us. Our show is like you know an A, like an indie game. And, you know, mm-hmm. then you have you guys. You're more of like a double A game, I would say. Like you have a you have a good following. You know, you got a lot of YouTube subscribers and whatnot. You've been doing it a long time. And, you know, then you got your triple A, which are, of course, like your, you know, your last stands, et cetera. Mm. Um, so. Actually, that's a really apt description. That works. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say so. But it's also like a much easier market here in Australia as well, because there's only like three mm. of us that do PlayStation yeah. specific content. So it's really easy <laughs> for us to like stand out. <laughs> and I can also make sure. that claim that, you know, we're the top three PlayStation podcasts made in the country because it's not wrong. Ooh. That doesn't yeah. mean we're number one. It just means we're in the top three. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that though. That's yeah. There's like you guys, and I know there's someone that you have on your show a lot. Is his name James? Am I am I making that up? Uh, so it's Paul James. So he Paul was James. running. Yes. Yeah, he was running another patient podcast, but that one um, has gone away. And then there's another mates of mine who run one called uh, uh, Platinum Explosion. Um, nice. And then there's yeah, there's another one that was around for a while, but they've gone quiet too. So I know there's at least two of us that are active. Gotcha. <laughs> we're all friends which is fun <laughs> oh, that, well, that's awesome so it should be well we were we were talking before we started recording about how you know in, in your timeline and your simulation that you know you guys are in summer yeah. and uh, it's it's getting hot there in australia it's we're about to get ready for an arctic blast i was telling you here in the states and uh so you know you're in the future obviously and of course uh in in your timeline where you're in, you're in an, another season as well so that's that's one of the things that is interesting about every time you and I try to get together is we have to do a little bit of calculus to figure out, okay, what fucking day is this? And what fucking time of day are we going to do this? Cause yeah, I always feel like me and you're like, okay, this time. And you're like, all right, that's this time, this time or this day. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, hang on, wait, that's this time my day. And it's just, it's, it's fucking crazy. So that's just part of the problem when you live in the future and I live here in the past, but uh, it's always fun to try to figure that out with you as well. But and then there's always that weird daylight savings because it turns out that US yeah. don't have daylight savings when we do. So like there's a one oh. moment in time where we can either be, you know, like 14 hours different or 16 <laughs> hours different. And it's just, it's ridiculous. It's tough it to manage, but like today it's like what, 11 in the morning here and it's I think it's what, 7 p.m. for you. So it's not too bad. Yeah. yeah. So we're getting together before the holidays here and you had actually, you had reached out to me and before God of War Ragnarok came out and you're like, Hey, I'm playing Ragnarok, you know, uh, 
do you, would you want me to come on the show and we can talk about Ragnarok and you can kind of get that like pre-release bump or whatever. And which I very much appreciated. And I was like, well, I actually have grand designs to have you on in December for this, this episode here that we're doing. So I, uh, it worked out. And because the reason why is because there are several things that I want to talk with you about today, you know, as, as we always do. And we've had, it's been a weird year in a way because PlayStation has been quiet at times, but they've also recently kind of snuck in um, to the Game Awards and what had what I would consider as a very uh, robust presence at the Game Awards, which actually surprised me quite a bit. So mm. it was kind of in a way where, yeah, they had some straight up announcements of games like Death Stranding 2. But then they also had other things that were more of like publishing partnerships or like what are obviously timed exclusives for console, et cetera, um, and things like that. So I wanted to first talk to you about the Game Awards and just, I guess, start off generally with what you thought about the show. You know, would you think it was a good show? How, how did you think PlayStation came out in the show? And then we obviously know that some of their competitors like Xbox weren't there. But what did you generally think about the Game Awards this year? And I guess specifically in relation to our beloved PlayStation. Uh, for me, it was most certainly one of the better shows they've had in, in, a, in a while. Like it didn't mm-hmm. feel as littered um, with all the the bullshit ads, etc. And there was a good feel to having it being in the theater, in the space, and you know having that people again. Like if my memory last year had it a little bit too, but like it really had that feel of where post the major lockdown sort of pandemic time, like it's still there and it's still around, but. You know, things mm-hmm. are slightly getting better, which is cool. Uh, additionally, with with everything being quiet, like there was this benefit here of of having room to talk about stuff. So in mm-hmm. the in the light of this whole Activision thing, which I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit later as well. Mm-hmm. I think PlayStation are being very quiet and not doing like that showcase that, that they really should have done at the back end of this year, announcing what is coming in the next year. So what we saw were a couple announcements here that I think would have fit that. Mm. So they just held off on them in the same way that that Silent Hill exclusive, you know, like Silent Hill did a showcase really mm. unnecessarily because I believe <laughs> it should have been tied in to another presentation in the same sure. way that like Final Fantasy 16 announced their date and stuff. Like all these things that are PlayStation second party exclusives weren't announced through playstation which is really odd i agree but when you're trying to not push the idea of exclusivity even though it's there (laughs) then this is the best way to do it so having Mm -hmm. and seeing as playstation were there in a large sense in that they had two game of the game of the year award nominees with both horizon forbidden west and uh god of war ragnarok it makes sense for for them to be there in a huge presence we also got to see the of Burning Skies, the, New- the Forbidden West DLC, which is cool. Uh, Death Stranding 2 is huge. Uh, and a bunch of other little things that are coming to the console. For the awards themselves, though, like outside of the announcements, uh, I can understand why many people would put Elden Ring at their number one. It's not personally my choice. So my choice is God right. of War Ragnarok, regardless of my biases. Um, mm-hmm. I do believe it is a much like a, a better combination of things. I understand that Elden Ring pushed a lot of boundaries and it, and it altered the the path of the Soulsborne moving forward. 
where Ragnarok is essentially more of the same. But right. I I I see the Norse saga as one of the greatest things to ever be placed on a console or games, period. Wow. Like that that wow. collected story for me mm-hmm. is brilliant because it isn't one game and a sequel very similar last as part one and part two this is a shared narrative between these two games that culminate in this genuine masterpiece of game that is true and i think that's probably why that say Elden ring deserves it in a number of ways more for mm-hmm. what it did what it achieved and what it delivered it's not it most certainly wasn't my kind of game but yeah. I can see its value and I understand its value and I respect what it did. Yeah. Elden Ring is definitely not my type of game either. I, I didn't play it, but that's because I just know that it's not for me. I definitely respect the hell out of it. Like there's no doubt that it was a huge game. It dominated the industry and really it kind of dominated pop culture there for like several months. Mm. And which is pretty astounding for a video game. It doesn't happen all the time that way, you know, and especially considering what type of game it is, you know, it's not Call of Duty, you know, it's, it's, it's Elden Ring. It's, it's a hard, it's a hard video game that's difficult for just someone to pick up and play out in my opinion. And then you were hearing things like, you know, 20 or 30% of people who played it, got the, you know, finished the game or whatever, got the platinum or then the platinum rate was insane on it. So, um, it definitely struck a nerve with people, but in terms of God of War, I will say, I'm still playing it. I have not beat it yet. I'm like 25 hours. I've spent 25 hours with it. And uh, this won't spoil anything, but this will give you an idea of where I'm at. I am in Helheim. Um, mm-hmm, so I feel like mm-hmm. I'm maybe about halfway through the, the main story. Right about, yeah. I've, I'm, gonna, I'm, go- I'm at a point where I'm going to Golden Path it uh, because I want to finish it. I want to see the end of the story. And I'm nervous that things are going to start getting spoiled for me. Um, something was spoiled for me by uh playstation lifestyle the other day um, oh, actually, no. yeah I, I was just like what the fuck but you know it's on me so anyway in terms of the game awards in general is there or the playstation announcements i should say there was there anything that was maybe your favorite um thing that the playstation brought there was it you know burning shores was it death stranding too is there anything that like really stuck out to you as like that that was that was the coolest thing i saw there yeah, Death Stranding Two is the was the big one for me, and yeah. uh, and Suicide Squad. But like the, the three mm. things that stood out to me, yeah, were yeah. So Suicide Squad got me in a way that I wasn't expecting. So mm. I'm a big I'm a big comic book fan from way back, okay, and a big massive fan of the Arkham series when it comes to the games. So Kevin Conroy is my Batman. When I so when I when I read comics, I hear Kevin Conroy. Mm-hmm. When I you know obviously when I play the games, I hear Kevin Conroy. He is the voice that lives inside my head when it comes to Batman. Yeah, and having him pass recently, it hit me harder than I expected. So to to know that this is his final role and to sort of getting to hear him again and. You know, it bookends with that, you know, thank you, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Like that hit a string for me. Yeah. So like that was like, oh, that's a massive win for me right there. And with Death Stranding 2, absolutely love <laughs> Death Stranding 1. Yeah. Like Same. it hits. I, I'm a, I, for, for, there's, a, there's a big throughput with the games that I love. It's emotional connection. It's really strong narrative. Hmm. And like having something to say, I guess. 
and the reason I love God of War so much, it's a brilliant father-son story that talks about, you know, the uh, a father's fear of the past in terms of, of the, the mistakes that they've made re-emerging and affecting the child, which which resonates with me something fierce. Sure. And with Death Stranding, like there are certain beats within it as bullshit as it is. <laughs> Like there's, you know, the stuff with, with mama was fantastic, mm-hmm. especially being a father, you know, this whole, inter, you know, rebuilding an internet interconnected world, which if anything only hits harder now in a post pandemic time where we were all isolated from one another. And the only thing connecting us were these wires, were these lone delivery yeah. men, like bracing the, the, the outside world to that, send us bullshit. Isn't that fucking wild how he does that stuff? Kojima, yeah, meaning yeah. Kojima. And like with that, yeah, Kojima, you know, that's it's there's a beauty in in Death Stranding in that, mm-hmm. yeah, there are times where it's just about getting from A to B and how you do it and taking in the vista and only really having to worry about balancing your character, like and bringing it down to its kind of bare bones, stripping it down really worked. And then it's surrounded by these awesome set pieces at the end and really cool character work. Cause when there's all this downtime, it's focus on character, right? Mm-hmm. Not that there isn't good gameplay, but it, hits different in the same way that like metal gear solid is really story focused but it's also back end with fun gameplay and yeah i left i left so when i was heading into death stranding i was asking myself like am i like a metal gear fan or am i a kojima fan because mm. like watching these trailers he's a batshit like i don't know what i'm looking at what the <laughs> fuck is all this yeah yeah it, it didn't and it, then it didn't once, look like a game that's for me that's for sure no, and then when you realize that all those trailers are like big set piece, big key moments of the game and no one knew. Yeah. Made it even better. And then very, being very lucky in the same way with Ragnarok and the original God of War. So we were provided review codes by PlayStation Australia, which allowed us to play it pre-release. So very quickly I got to go, oh no, I'm a Kojima fan. But I had no <laughs> one to talk to about it. It was really hard. I know. Um it's so it's one of those advantages and disadvantages of the, of the space, and you can kind of see why there becomes this disconnect between you know uh, games journalists and the audience because mm-hmm. like the embargo for the embargo for Ragnarok was a week and a half before it released. Mm-hmm. I already had it a month, yeah, prior to the embargo, right? So like I had played it, finished it, released a review, and it still wasn't even out yet. And then, I, and then a week later, it's like, oh, your Clicks Edition is able to be picked up. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's such a weird disconnect. And I yeah. did the same with Death Stranding. And then it was really kind of cool getting to watch people sort of understand what this game is trying to say. And, you know, the, a lot of that mystery here is gone because we know what Death Stranding is. Right. But there was enough in that trailer to lay down of like, what the hell is all this? Like the baby at the start. Is mm. that Lou outside of the jar? Mm. Awesome. Fantastic. Fragile. She's there holding the baby. Are Fragile and, um, you know, uh, P- uh, Sam Porter Bridges, you know, doing some, some sort of cool co-parenting thing. That's cool. Yeah. You know. Um, Do you think uh, Norman Reedus is the main character in this one? I don't know. Mm. Part of me expects the Metal Gear Solid 2 switcheroo. Mm. Mm-hmm. In that, you know, you, you think you're playing a snake, you're playing jokes on you, you're playing as Raiden the whole time. Um, right. at least the first half. So I'm expecting maybe something like that. I mean, no, uh, the the Fanning girl. Oh yeah, we, yeah, we haven't even seen her yet. Yeah, you know, and like the the rumor, you know, the little theory that I enjoy is that that's Lou. Oh, interesting. 
because we look and we see Norman Reedus substantially older. Mm-hmm. Now we know he got hit by the time fall rain in the first game and that aged his air, aged his hair, right? Yeah. Fair. So we're like, is he affected by the time fall? The, the, the time fall? Is he, is this literally so far in the future that we're now playing as Lou? A lot of things to consider. And of course, it'll not make any sense until we play it. But, seeing Troy Baker, what we presume is Troy Baker's character return. Mm-hmm. They've got the, you know, interesting torso, like their their guts have been rebuilt. <laughs> yeah. And of course it fits that weird 80s bullshit that just Kojima loves. Yeah. Um, with the keytar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It asks so many more questions than it delivers. It's got weird, like continuing on that sort of sea theme with the whales and the crabs and the fish. We now have, you know, octopus in the in, you know, in the, the the BB thingy, which, oh, is, yeah. which is cool. There's a lot of things to play, and like Death Stranding Two looks brilliant. If like that's kind of its code name, I don't know if it's going to be called something else, right. but that's probably the thing that got the me most excited. What about yourself? It looks, yeah, it looks wonderful. I don't know if Death Stranding Two was my like the like the thing that got me the most excited. I'm not sure. I I think it might have actually been something else, which is it's really obscure. But I, before I tell you, I do want to say that Death Stranding Two looks incredible and of course it was only cinematic it it seemed like it might have been in 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 engine i'm sure on decima but the thing about death stranding and its sequel is and kojima really is that he creates these things and in particular death Stranding that's like mysterious and it's like existential and it's like i don't know there's just nothing like it like i really think that as time has gone on death stranding to me personally has gotten even has become even better like in my mind yeah because at the time it was kind of like you know what the fuck is this like is this a walking simulator like people were so upset before the game came out like oh kojima made a fucking walking simulator okay but then you play the game and you're like oh okay and you get it and then now looking you're still like oh he made a walking simulator but it's (laughs) awesome yes exactly it's like it's the best walking simulator ever made you know, then you look back on it. I'm like, wow, that really was something. And then the second one, I can only imagine what he's going to do. But the one thing that really sticks with me when I think about Death Stranding, and I never considered this, but when the PS5 upgrade came out, people, you know, were going back to the game, which I've never played it on PS5. I've thought about it, but people were going back to the game when the PS5 director's cut came out, and they were loading into their saves from PS4. And then they were going out in the world and they were discovering that the bridges that they built and like the structures that they built and stuff like that were, were falling apart because time had passed, even though they weren't playing the game. Like it had been a year Mm. since they played the game and they went back and their bridge was destroyed by a time fall rain. And it was still there. They built it when they played the game, when it originally came out and now it's just, you know, nothing. It had rusted or whatever the fuck. And like, when you think about that, like that is so cool. Like that is such a cool feature of a game and just a design choice and like i don't know man i that is so cool to me and that just uh, that stuff like that is what sticks to me about death stranding and and makes me excited thinking about the second one um or, or little things like that it's just there's nothing quite like it i don't think but um one of the things that got me the most excited was believe it or not uh this game called wayfinder i don't know if you remember that one or not but that's like a online uh MMO action RPG thing that is being made by Airship Syndicate. It's the guys who made Darksiders Genesis and some other stuff. And it's being published by Digital Extremes, who 
does Warframe, obviously, but PlayStation, I guess, has got this on some type of like timed exclusive or something. Mm-hmm. It's actually going to be a, a beta test in January and then like a spring early access thing, kind of like uh, Arcade Again was um, like in 21, I guess. But yeah, yeah. you got because you, uh, yourself and uh, you guys were like big fans of. Um, of arcade again, my yes. brain farted on the word arcade again, and it wouldn't let it come <laughs> out of my mouth. Yes, so my my brain literally stopped for a second. I was like, and you're like, fuck, yeah, uh, yeah there, arcade again. There you go. Yeah, the, yes, uh, it's okay. Your brain can fart. We can all fart, but uh, yeah, we. Yeah, my, my Ritalin hasn't quite kicked in yet. I woke up late because I'm on leave. It's awesome. <laughs> I love it. No, we loved arcade again, and, and so it sort of looks that way i guess in terms of art style but i'm i'm very excited about that uh the wayfinder uh game the other one that really stood out to me too was that behemoth uh vr game that looks like uh kind of like even though i don't like dark souls it looks kind of like dark souls or like a really like more hardcore skyrim mixed with shadows of the or shadow of the colossus did you see did you see that one in the show which one was that sorry it's called behemoth it's a vr game and it, I think I did say that one. Yeah. yeah, and it's like it's some. It's it looks like you're fighting like Draugr at some point from like Skyrim, and then you're like climbing up this big Shadow of the Colossus looking thing in VR, dude. That looked. I mean, it was a cinematic. Okay, I understand that, mm. but that looked incredible. So those were kind of the two things that really stood out to me. Of course, Death Stranding did too, but out of the sort of kind of mainstream things, those really stood out to me a lot. But I thought overall that it was a really good show. In fact, I. You know, I was trying to think back, and I guess this is like the this is the ninth year that Keeley's done the Game Awards, I think. And I, I don't know, man. I think that this is one of the best, like overall, in my opinion. Like you said, he kind of toned down the ad bullshit. The ones that we did have were more like tasteful, I would say, kind of you know subdued a little bit. Had a pretty good pace outside of Christopher Judge's acceptance speech, whatever that was about. Yeah, but see, I obviously being the the huge fan that I am, <laughs> like. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it. cool. I like, I, I didn't mind. I, I'm like, where are you going with this? Yeah. And yeah, I, I guess for me is because like this is the this may be the last time he ever gets to do this, right? Yeah. And fair, he fair. did deliver one of the most exceptional performances um, ever uh, in terms of I would argue for a game in that because mm-hmm. Kratos was a character that no one liked, right? Sure. It was bland. He was boring. He was this, that, is the other. He managed to make him intriguing, emotional. In, in an like it provide nuance like this is a high quality performance like when you're playing other characters even if you look at once again recent examples like your horizon forbidden west like with aloy aloy is emotive right yeah by design because she is human and she is expressive where kratos by design was bland he was fueled by one emotion that was rage where here we're seeing the presentation of an individual an alteration of an understanding of a character in that their, their their entire emotional delivery is different in the way that they that Christopher Judge is able to deliver a <clears throat> that means yeah. six different things depending <laughs> on the tone, or, and then alongside the incredible motion capture where you're seeing subtle eye movements and little smirks and these little things that as you sort of see him grow and become more open as a character to not just like Atreus but also his new family around him. There's nothing else like it. Right. But you did he go too long? Oh yeah, he did. But like, like, where are you going with this, mate? Like, you know, I, I appreciate what you're doing, but where are you going? Right. And I don't think like the landing. Like they added the music. If anything, it just made it more intense. I was like, oh, oh, hell yeah, go, yes, do it. And then they had to cut him real short. But like, yeah, yeah. he he definitely went too long. But I will say, in his defense, 
I thought Keeley, and maybe he was being lighthearted about it, but Keeley kind of took shots at him. Yeah, he was a right prick about it. Yeah, I agree. See, this is this is the other problem that I have with the game awards. This happens all the time. Is that that Jeff Keeley mm-hmm. is a great organizer organizer of it? I don't think he's the best presenter for it. Mm-hmm. Not because he's not good at it, because he's too close. Right. In terms of the investment, right? So right. he's enti- every time you see him speak, it's not about. It's it's constantly all right. We've got to keep moving forward. Got to keep moving forward. Got to keep moving forward. So it it has a different emotive feel. Right. Like it feels really rushed whenever he's on camera because he's in his head. He's in production mode. Right. It's like we've got to hit these hit these awards. We've only got this much time. Da, 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 da. That is true. So these pot shots ain't pot shots. Like they were barbs. Yeah. Right. And that's the difference where. Like Al Pacino didn't get shit on, even though because he couldn't, you know, he couldn't he even couldn't read, read the fucking the teleprompter. <laughs> and they're like, "Well, he wasted a bunch of extra time." Yeah, but yeah, it's just the mindset going in is, like, you know, example. If you watch, say, was it the Dice Awards? I think it was the like Greg Miller does. Mm-hmm. Like his delivery in it is, "I'm here as a host. Like I'm just here as a host. I'm not in the production side, the back end. I don't need to worry about all that sort of things. I'm just here to make the show look good and run well." Right. Where Jeff is trying to do that. While also being very conscious of everything else around him, yeah, yeah, I'm not like I'm not saying get another host because they did it that one year with Joel McHale and it was horrendous. Mm. But there's either have a second with him, or they have that the woman whose name escapes me, yeah, who yeah. did the pre-show stuff. But that's just me personally. It's a minor. It's not a minor nitpick. It's quite an obvious nitpick. But no, I think that's fair. I, I I get where you're coming from, and he definitely comes off as more of a producer while he's doing the show and i, I told travis like on our show I, that keely by all accounts is a very nice man and oh most certainly he's definitely an advocate for games he definitely plays games which i appreciate it's more than you can say for some people <clears throat> jim ryan and um <laughs> you know so i appreciate that but he does toe the line in my opinion from what i call a marketing bro like yes. he's he walks the line the tightest of being a marketing bro and then being one of us. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I, I think that's to your point about how he kind of handled the show and, and handles the show in general. But I also wanted to talk to you too about kind of moving on from the game awards. I wanted to talk to you about PlayStation VR two, because the last time you and I talked and Travis was here too, back in the summer, maybe even the spring um, we talked about, and we, at the time we, we kind of tried to predict you know, what we thought was going to happen the rest of this year and the first part of next year. But now, fast forward to now, we understand that PSVR 2 is coming out February 22nd. You can pre-order it now, all that good stuff. We know what it is. We know what it can do. We know the hardware. Um, we know a lot of the games, if not all of them, that are going to be there at launch. Although, I, I do want to point out that Sony has some type of consumer electronics show presentation planned for January 4th. And PSVR 2 seems to be featured prominently in that in some Mm -hmm. way. So so that's curious. But so generally at the start, what is your gut check on PSVR 2? Are you going to get it? Are you excited about it? What do you think of it? Oh, yeah, I totally have one. Mm -hmm. Yes, my pre-order went in the second they went live, even though it's $880 Australian. Um, Yeah, so patreon.com slash popculturist, please. Thank you. We'll cover we'll cover the game so you don't have to buy them. There you go. That's a good that's a good pitch. 
<laughs> so that way you know whether it's worth your money. You know, you know, you invest twenty bucks helps <laughs> us get the unit, and you know we're very lucky in that we'll have the opportunity to play all. You know, get the, get all the the games that, that matter on yeah. the on the headset, so we can go. Well, these are the exact games. This is the you know pitch aside. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very excited. I do love I do love PSVR. Um, yeah. I didn't play any games this year, according to my wrap up, which checks out because I've been living in this house for a year and I haven't set it up once because mm. it's such a prick. So f- what I love about what is the potential of PSVR 2 is, yeah, that room scale, it's the increase in tech. This is what it should be. Mm. Um, will this still not be perfect? Most certainly. Like, you know, the benefits of, say, your, your Vives or your Oculuses is that they started with more powerful hardware and they intentionally were able to do a lot of these bigger things first, but they were noticeably more expensive, right? Right. PSVR made the entry point VR in that had the big grunt of it is on the PlayStation. Um, they had the breakout box, which helped, but even then you had to about 17 cables. Yeah. So they're finally at the point now where they can one cable it. They have the, the better controllers because like the move controllers were great. I think they essentially were like, well, we just need to find a way to use this gear that we have over here because the R and D and cost of entry to create these controllers mm-hmm. is a lot for the first unit. So sure. now that they've demonstrated what PSVR is and can do, having the entry point be more expensive with the increased control, like, you know, hey, these controllers can do more. This is why it's cost more because it's all these extra features. Everyone's a bit more understanding. If this was the original version of PSVR and this was the original asking price, it would have no way have had the pickup that it did previously. I, I was going to ask you about the price, 550 US. And eight hundred, how many ever dollar dues out there in your eight hundred and eighty dollar dues? Yeah, that's it's obviously quite a bit. It's obviously more expensive than PlayStation Five as well. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, uh, in here, yeah, it's about that, about nine hundred bucks for a PS Five at the moment. Gotcha. Okay. So we've got a war. Yeah. So do you? You know, that's that's. I guess that's been a lot of the conversation, to, uh, at, at least at the very start. It's gone quiet, honestly, on the PSVR 2 front in terms of uh, public perception of it. But when it was first announced, that was the conversation. It was like, holy shit, this thing is more expensive than the PS5 in the US. You know, $550. Like, how the fuck are they thinking they're going to sell this thing? So I guess what is your response to that? Or what, are you, what is your thought on that in, in terms of, okay, they've got this headset now. You know, they obviously want to sell it or they wouldn't have made it. They're putting, they've put more technology into this, as you said, in terms of the controllers and what it's capable of in general. And they're putting what appears to be, you know, some first party spunk behind it uh, in terms of, you know, Fire Sprite with Horizon and whatever else we might have that we don't know about later down the road. So I guess what is, what is your thought on, okay, hey, they obviously want to sell this thing, but it's more than the PS5. How, you know, what's the, what's the argument there? I guess, or do you think that's a smart idea them pricing it the way they have? It's, it makes sense. Um, VR in itself is a boutique item, right? Mm -hmm. It isn't something that everyone has that, that has access to. Now the difficulty that they have is PlayStation in no way envisioned a global pandemic that would involve Mm -hmm. all these shortages, et cetera. So they're still following the exact same trajectory at, at, their marketing trajectory and production trajectory that they intended. Right. Console was still going to come out at this time, but I think it came out later than they originally envisioned. They in no way did they predict that there would be this much shortage. So I think they felt very confident that by releasing it essentially two and a half years after the release of the console, 
that's enough time for everyone to have a good hold on a PS5. Right. Turns out, not the case. They're much hard, like they're much harder to get now than they were before, but not really. I'm seeing them readily pickupable. I can walk yeah. into an EB Games here in in Geelong in, in Australia and just grab one off the shelf. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely getting easier to get those. Yeah, that's gotten better, but the difficulty is people aren't. They just about to spend nine hundred dollars on a on a console. Yeah, they can't do that three months later. Right on a PSVR. So I think PSVR will have a longer tail. In the same way that we're seeing, like, you know, the PS5 version of Miles Morales make the top 10 every month because Fair. more people are getting PS5s every month. Like, it's not a big, there's no, there's, especially when it comes to this transition to this new generation, there's not a lot of, a lot of money up front. We're going to see a lot, it's spread out and slower. So, a little bit, you know, medium money's everywhere rather than big lump sum, extra large. And I think right. PS5, uh, so I think the PSVR 2 will do the same thing. You'll have your diehards like myself, and I, I presume you'll be grabbing it as well. Yeah, I've got it pre-ordered. Um, I'm ready launch. to launch. And we'll see a big burst then, but then we'll slowly see it go out as people are hesitant. We are in a recession. Money yeah. is less available than it ever has been before. But for those that can, will. And that will dictate what happens moving forward. Now, with there's approximately like what two not even three million psvr ones out in the wild and i mm. guarantee you that they have not sold any or very few since they announced the psvr 2 so that's yeah. gone slow the only the, the greater challenge that psvr 2 holds outside of its cost which is yeah barrier of entry number one needing the ps5 is the games oh, yeah. now granted they have a lot of games coming out at the front end yeah. you know we, we are getting the cool things like call of the mountain and there's that hello neighbor game that'll make my son explode but every a majority of the other things that are the big hitters at the moment yeah are ports now i'm not yeah. saying that's a bad thing we're getting psvr1 games ported up that's great we're getting pc vr games brought across that's great but what's the incentive like if you're someone that is a massive vr fan mm. you may already have that other headset yeah where like myself my P my pc is hot trash so i ain't buying i don't have another vr headset right right and i you know once i have read read uh read, read, readily available access to titles if i want to it's got to email some people i'm sure it'll rock up and i don't play my vr that often right so imagine people that have don't have that availability. They don't have, you know, because when like when they're charging very expensive games comparatively, not a bad thing, but they're shorter experiences. They do take a lot more time to develop. Therefore, the price I think is reflective. But there's that means there's less games that will be purchased. It's a, it's a it's really tough. Yeah. They make a niche product. And then if they're interested, they're like, why is it being, why is it being purchased like a niche product? Because you made a niche product. You did. You did. And I, you, you make compelling points. And yes, you know, I kind of touched on it or, you know, alluded to it, I guess you should say, but this could potentially have the same problem that the PlayStation Vita did in terms of the support started out very strong in the first mm. couple of years. You know, we were getting first party stuff and even some second party things. You know, we were getting Uncharted, we were getting Killzone, whatever, we were in all that type of stuff, and then it just dried up. And that definitely, I mean, that obviously happened, I think, with the first PSVR, and then it seems like they're a little bit behind it more with, with, with 2, with VR 2, but like you said, I think it's a real fear that we might have the, the games dry up, 
you also have to wonder from first party from PlayStation Studios, like, are there even resources to make dedicated VR games? Is it even smart to do so? What is a in in term in in other words, if they only sell five million, six million PSVR twos lifetime, you know, lifetime. So is that worth dedicating a team at I don't know Sony Santa Monica Sucker Punch to make a VR game for for PSVR two? I don't I don't know. On on the contrary though, if they did that and they made a banger for PSVR two and it's a system seller, you know. I guess that's a counter argument. I don't know. I think it's I think it's a tough proposition. You know what I'm saying? It it most it most certainly is because especially when when you got the likes of Gorilla C- Cambridge who, uh, yeah. well, they they were given the rough end of the stick. They were given no win scenarios really. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of a bit of a different tale. They made but rigs, London right? Studio. They did rigs, yeah. So London Studio did PSVR Worlds. They did uh, Blood and Truth, which is exceptional. Mm. Now they're shifted into that uh, cool. Um, London fantasy game, so they're not they're not even really doing VR stuff at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I think the difference here, in why I think we may see more games, maybe not first party games, but we may see more games on the PS PSVR two, is as mm. we were lo- it was as we were discussing before, the tech now aligns better with the PC VR. True. So it's a lot more transferable. We're having to respec the game in order to work with the light bars on the moves. <laughs> yeah. That's the harder sell in that now, it, in theory, I don't know how development works on a VR game, mm-hmm. but it's m- probably much easier to just re, you know, read the controller, read the different controller rather than completely alter how the game reads movement and how it, reams, how it reads room space. Sure. So, so it wouldn't surprise me if more games start coming across in order to meet that demand. Now, the, apparently the touch rate's not too bad for those that have the headsets. Mm-hmm. Um, PlayStation First Party, I don't know. Um, I think Insomniac had done some cool VR in their time, yeah. like from memory. Yeah, I don't but remember they're, who that was they're all, Yeah, but they're, they're, they're handling like a thousand things right now. So I, mm-hmm. I don't see them rushing to do that either. No. Yeah, outside of little experiences mm-hmm. like Call of the Mountain, which is being you know essentially done by Fire Sprite alongside Gorilla, kind of coming in there as like a presumable lore and like hey, here's some assets. Right. Like Fire Sprite's the main beat, I think, when it comes to VR, and I think the challenge that they will have is there's only so much they can do, mm-hmm. and VR development takes longer. And it's harder, especially in a working from home setup. You need people. You need sure. to have the headset strapped to someone. The development method of a VR, in theory, is staggeringly different to standard game development. But we saw the impact of working from home and, and separated workforces on standard games. Sure. So I imagine it's going to be gnarlier on here. There's a big reliance on old games being moved up, I think. Right. So in terms of games, since we're, we're talking about games for PSVR 2, of what we've seen so far, of what has been announced and or you know that we know is coming, is there anything? Again, that same question to you: Is there anything that you are in particular in, or particularly excited about? I should say, you know, Horizon. I'm sure, but is there anything that stands out to you on the launch lineup? Horizon's the given. Um, yeah. I I I really am super sold on that because one thing, one of the greatest things about VR is is scale. 
right? Mm-hmm. And nothing else matches it. You know, so looking up and seeing a tall neck and its brilliant fidelity, get mm. get it in me, right? That's going to be oh, yeah, get awesome. It in me. Um, speaking of get it in me, I uh, like then uh, Resident Evil Village, mm. like you know, big tall vampire woman, yeah, mm-hmm. dope. Yeah, um, on me. Like that looks, yeah, please do. Like that looks fantastic. <laughs> and obviously, going off, you know, uh, uh, Resident Evil Seven, which was awesome in VR, a really dope experience. That they're probably the big ones for me, mm-hmm. right? That, that's easy. But what's the they're doing a, a, a oh, my once again brain farting. What is it? Um, Supermassive did oh the Switchback VR, Dawn. yeah the Switchback VR because I mm-hmm. I did like Rush of Blood. Rush of Blood was awesome. Yeah, it's a really good bit of fun. So to have you know something like that, I'm like oh that's cool too. Kick you know yeah extension of that is is always fun, but. The Star Wars one is a big in. Like I played the 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 Vader Immortal, and that oh, was yeah, awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was fantastic. Uh, I really dig that um, that tabletop role playing game that they've got Demian. in VR, which is really cool. Demian. Yeah, that one was fan- looks fantastic too. Yeah, uh, Firewall has got a lot of love. Saints and Sinners is another one that I know is really positive. Yeah, uh, on the first VR, so having that come across, yeah, Beat Saber is a must and. For me, it's just bring me cool shit and I'll play it. Yeah. Like, I don't have any expectations around what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. If it's there, I'm in. I got I to gotta tell you, I, I'm very excited about PSVR 2. I don't know why. I, I really have no reason. I've never played VR. I've never experienced VR, period. So I could put this thing on and I could not have VR. I could never get my VR. Oh, wait, have you never experienced VR, period? No, period. So I could put <gasps> this thing on oh, and I could- That does change everything. I know. So my fear is that I put this thing on and I, I've heard that you should do it. You should do it the first time sitting down is what, is what I've heard. And yeah. so I'll do that. But my fear is that I, I do this and I never get my VR legs and it, you know, motion sickness and all that. So if that's the case, you know, I gave it, a, I gave it a fair shake and I'll sell it or whatever. But in the, in the interim, I'm extremely excited about it. There are several games, in fact, that have me quite excited. And as a matter of fact, I bought my first two PSVR 2 games today because there are some games that, as you mentioned, are getting the free upgrade uh, to the PS5. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of games on sale on the big holiday sale. So I went ahead today and bought After the Fall, which is like that uh, Left 4 Dead sort of game for it. Mm-hmm. And then I also purchased Pistol Whip. So I have. Yeah, my, Pistol Whip's I, awesome. Yeah. So I have my first two ready to go in the, in the barrel. Um, but some other ones that I'm very excited about is Kayak. VR Mirage. Have you heard anything, mm. heard anything about this? I'm not off the top of my head, no. You should look it up. Kayak VR Mirage. And it looks stunning. So I'm looking forward to checking it out. Oh, it's it. oh, kayak as in a kayak. Yes, oh, fascinating. A, yes okay. a kayak, yeah. <clears throat> it looks pretty stunning. Um, some other ones that are standing out to me right now are Firewall Ultra. You mentioned that. That looks, yep. that looks dope. The Cities VR looks dope. That's on my list as well because I loved City Skylines on PS4. And then another one is uh, Moss and Moss Book 2. I've heard those are very, uh, very good. Yeah, Moss 1 is exceptional. Moss 2 I didn't pick up um, oh. and apparently no one else did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm keen to, to, to give Moss 2 a go. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, like you said, the Saints and Sinners comes out in March and as a, as a or Chapter 2, I should say. And then I think they're doing like a twin pack sort of thing or like a complete edition or whatever. So that looks pretty interesting. So 
there's a lot of stuff coming that, and then that behemoth game, obviously that I mentioned from the game awards, looks incredible. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that has me very excited about it, but I'm also nervous that my excitement is misplaced because I may not be able to use the thing, but there's no way to know until I do it. So I, I think with, with the improved technology, there, there is a lot of, there's a less chance of having those motion problems. Yeah. Uh, because it's just, you know, it, high resolution, the, uh, the foveated vision. So we you know where it blurs everything outside of what you're looking directly at True. is really dope in that a, it will run better. It's more reflective of how you legitimately see the world. So that will have its advantages. The problem that VR has with your brain is when your brain connects it, it's not real. Yeah. And that's where that psychology comes in. So when you can have those cool immersive in uh, environments or immersive experiences that make you forget and your body can go, Oh, this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So even I, myself who has, you know, I can have pretty gnarly um, motion sickness. Yeah. VR. Whenever I put VR on, there is a small window where my body adjusts. So I just kind of play conservative for that little window. And then once it's going and then I can get more into it. So I always tend to sort of front load my session with a, simpler game to get my get me used to the hmm. my body into it and then i go cool and then i'll go do something interesting uh, way more gnarly or way more fun hmm. okay that's probably the safe probably the, the safest bet that's and, good advice uh, yeah so like even myself who has like a fear of heights as well so doing that as well like it's always the fun thing to do so push push my comfort zone with vr mm -hmm. which is so, yeah so like my my partner she has never done vr in her entire life at all either same as yourself and so I've been showing her some of these cool, you know, trailers and stuff, and she's ex super keen, super keen. Yeah. So like, yeah, call them out, and she's like, "This looks exceptional." I'm like it, it does. It does. So I'm very excited to do that. So, and it's very fast. I'm, I'm especially keen for yourself, knowing that you've not done it before either. Yeah. I hope it hits. Man. Yeah, VR one is. Yeah, I think it will because VR one's cool, but like, it's fine. But yeah. this is going to be something else. Like, yeah, once again, the example is that I think even uh, uh, Sean Layden mentioned way back in the day was that this is version one. This is the PS1. Mm. You remember the jump from PS1 to PS2? Yeah. Expect that. Like, we're going to see a substantial improvement. That would be wild. And I hope that is. And the last thing that I wanted to ask you about VR, too, is do you think you mentioned that this is a niche product? And, and it is. Uh, you know, it's a boutique. It's a niche product. It's something that the more hardcore, like yourself and myself, we've already pre-ordered. For instance, you know, we're fine with, we're, we're into it. We're fine with paying the money for it, et cetera. But one of the arguments that I make on our show a lot, and I may have talked with you about this before too, but I sort of feel like, and maybe PSVR 2 will make me feel differently or prove me wrong, but I feel like given the success of Switch, given the success of Steam Deck, I feel like almost that PlayStation, meaning Sony, made the wrong bet in terms of they should have bet on hybrid gaming or handheld gaming, whatever you want to call it, instead of VR to, uh, instead of virtual reality. Do you feel that way? Or do you think that this is just, you know, this is, this is the niche that they decided to chase after as opposed to handheld gaming? But what do you, do you have any thoughts about that? I, I disagree almost entirely. Oh, okay. 
in that I, as much as I enjoy the Vita and and the the Sony handheld experience with the PSP, mm-hmm. that was a losing market for them. Like no matter what they did, Nintendo had them beat. Now, granted, That's does fair. that mean they should that they should have given up that yeah. market? No, not at all. But right now, they have a market all to themselves. Mm. In that there is no other console manufacturer, whether it be Nintendo or Microsoft that are doing this VR, let alone relatively expensive entry-level VR. That's a good point. Microsoft have, have essentially, I think you said previously, they're like, oh, yeah, it's, not something, it's not something that we have plans for. Mm-hmm. Nintendo like, oh, we thought about it with that cardboard thing. But like, you imagine trying to strap that low-ass resolution screen to your face? Yeah. Ew. <laughs> so there, and the downside of portable is the restrictive hardware mm. in that, the Switch was already underpowered on delivery. Yeah, true. It's X amount of years later, four years, five years later, nothing can run on it well. No. Like when, when it's impressive that a game can run at 540 at 30 frames per second, that's not good. Like that's not the future. And I, I, I think there is an, an upbeat in those handheld ways of playing, but in a working from home scenario in the world as it is now, people are less wanting to sit on a train for mm. commute to work and play games. That's also people really like being home. So having a cool experience like this at home, that is impressive. It's a cool centerpiece to your, your lounge. Mm-hmm. And when, yeah, when no one else is doing it, that's what you should do. Does that, yeah. Do I mean Sony should never make a handheld? No, I most certainly think they should make a competing handheld at some point, but even then like the Nintendo, yeah, underpowered, selling incredibly well. Mm-hmm. The target audience for that game is different, even different to what Sony market their games towards. True. The Steam Deck, incredibly expensive, mm-hmm. not even available in this country. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's huge, it's chunky. It's, is, it, is it endlessly pos- endless possibilities? Yeah, it's, it's essentially running a small PC. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. But it's not as easy either. It's like carrying a laptop. The battery life is fine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It has great potential, but I know VR in itself, when, anytime you release hardware, it's like a car. You release a car and it instantly diminishes because you know in like six months something better is going to come out. True. And like the, something will push the boundaries of that console almost immediately. Well, you make a fair argument. But I think that the potential and the future possibilities are way larger in VR, whether it be from a game gameplay, uh, games, whether it be from experiences like you know True. going and seeing a museum tour or with something. There's something that I still am baffled that no one ever did over the, over the pandemic. Yeah, let me buy tickets to a concert. Yeah, yeah. Put me put me front row. I'll pay f- whatever two hundred dollars to be yeah. front row on VR. Yeah. So like if you know if you're normally paying say yeah you know two hundred bucks for a ticket yeah. in an arena. But like, you know, so let's let's say nosebleeds, hundred bucks, mm-hmm. one fifty in the middle, two hundred at the front. Standard pricing, you know, um, for tickets. Yeah. Well, what if you made it thirty and you know, eighty and hundred and fifty? It's slightly cheaper, but those that are international will buy. Or you just put a th- put a good three D, you know, th- three sixty camera. Boom! Yeah. Suddenly you're there. And like you are have the potential to increase your revenue, like oh well, then people wouldn't come to the show. Right. Yeah, but imagine all the people international, yeah, that would do that. No, people would still come to the show. You would just 
in my opinion, that would just be all that more additional income to your point. Like, yeah. And no one's really touched upon that. Right. Like I'm a massive wrestling fan. Right. And a number of years ago, there was an app that released that had 360 cameras set up at WrestleMania. So I got to put it on. I got to see the amazing entrances. I got to see the wrestling in the ring all through my VI headset. And I was literally moved to tears because A, it's such a, a, like a sensory overload in the best way, but I got to feel even for a moment that I was at the biggest wrestling show mm. in the world. That is sick. And, if, and that was a free experience. I'm like, if I would pay money for that shit. Yeah. Like, I'll be like, here's money. Let me watch friggin' seven hours of WrestleMania in VR like I'm there. That is sick. I mean, and really, it's amazing that we don't have that more widespread at this point, honestly. Yeah, I do agree with you on that. And if you think about it, like, I'm, I know I'm sure it's hard not to hear, but I'm sure you've heard about all of, like, the Taylor Swift concert ticket controversy that happened recently. Yeah, like, that. Ticket, like that, yeah, is it uh, Ticketmaster? <clears throat> yeah, the ticket, yeah, Ticketmaster problem. So, like, okay, Taylor Swift tickets when they go on sale they're sold out in like whatever 15 seconds 30 seconds so okay then imagine you could like you said you can have you could sell x amount more of vr space maybe it's unlimited i don't know maybe it's just server capacity and let's say you could sell ten thousand more vr tickets dude i mean not that i care how much money those people make but i'm just saying like that that seems like (laughs) i think that to your point people would would want that experience and they would adore that type of experience and they would pay for that type of experience. And so I do agree with you that I think that VR definitely shows more promise, no doubt, than a handheld console. Not just in gaming, like you said, but entertainment in sports. I would love to, you know, I would pay for like a season pass to my favorite basketball team or something like that. If I could be courtside every game, you know what I'm saying? And I could just sit on my couch, put my headset on and watch the game. Like that would be dope. To your point, that'd be so sick. And I mean, that's coming, right? Like in our lifetime, everything we're talking about will will be available, surely. So, in the, like, yeah, totally. But like, I went back and watched the 2016 um, Sony press E3 press conference the other day. Mm-hmm. That's when PSVR was announced. It's been like what six years, true, and yeah. we're not there yet. Like, how much long is it going to take to get there? True. So now, granted, the world's stopped still for two of those years, but yeah. Like we are, we are now aware, if more than ever before, how important an online space is, how yeah. easy online accessibility is. Yeah, I Let's agree. Just take it to that next step. I understand. There's like, oh, but we want people in the arena. It's not going to take away people from the arena no. because if you're going to do a show here in Melbourne, I'm going to go to the show in Melbourne. Yeah. But if you're doing it in a one-off show in Sydney or a one-off show in LA or wherever, mm-hmm. I can't get to that easily. So you're getting more because I don't say like you don't care how much money they make, and neither do I. But that's that's what the incentive needs to be. Yeah. Because they won't do it out of the pure creative endeavor of it. <laughs> no. They if they can think about it from the money side, it's like think about how much more money you'll get. And so they go, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Not that anyone would listen to to me. I'm just some dude on the internet in Australia. But <laughs> yeah, like, I it's think just that- the idea. Yeah, and I think that was my point, too, in terms of, you know, the question I was asking you as far as, you know, what is it going to take for PlayStation, Sony to go more, to to do more than what I would call is, it's not a half, me- what we're seeing is not a half measure per se, it's a little bit more than that, but like, what are, what's going to take for them to take like a full measure toward VR, specifically PSVR 2, and I think that all ties into what we're talking about, I think we're talking 
you know, we're kind of dancing around it, but it, it, I think you're hitting the nail on the head too at the same time in terms of it needs to be more of a more holistic experience mm. that, because think about Sony and I, I want to move on after this because I want to talk to you about 2023, but think about Sony in particular, they have Sony pictures, which is film and television. They have Sony music group, which is music, obviously PlayStation, like of all of the entertainment companies in the world, I don't know how many can how many companies have their tendrils and all of those things. I mean, Sony Pictures is a big company that does big films and big television. Sony Music They own Blu-ray. Yeah. They make a cut on every Blu-ray disc printed. Yes. Sony Music is a big music publishing label and company in the world. And then you have PlayStation itself that is one of the biggest console hardware manufacturers, video game publishers in the world. So like they have all of these tendrils and I just feel like if to your point, if they could find a way to, and maybe it's not with PSVR two, maybe it's a three, if there ever is one to tie it all together and make something really special, then I almost feel like they can create the incentive for themselves to be like, all right, we need to really fucking like hammer down on this thing. We need to put fucking awesome games on it. We need to do concerts, all the things we were just talking about. So I don't know. I th- to end, to answer your sort of question, like, how do they go full force? Like, this yeah. is it. I think this is it. I think this is full force. Okay. In at least from the best that they could do. Like, yeah, could they dedicate a studio to it? Yeah. But like, right. we're working with businesses because, you know, this is the game's business, the game's industry. Mm-hmm. And whether we like whether we like it or not, that comes first and foremost. Um, sure. Money, how the operation, all those sort of risk analysis, all those other businessy words come to play. Right, where if it's just an creative endeavor, cool. Uh, do, we, do we return on our investment? Who fucking cares? But that's yeah. not how this works. So I think Sony could do more, most definitely. But they, I am very aware that they they look at the pros and cons about what can we do, what should we do with the with what we have. Do we dedicate a hundred percent, ninety percent of our workforce to something that is six percent of our total? That's fair income. Yeah, that's fair. you know like so not to the you know so that they they ref- have it as reflective. We provide six six percent of our workforce to six pound six percent of our income. Example, not real stats by the way. I just put them out of my butt. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So that-, that, there's that understanding and like because yeah. PlayStation being the business that they are, and especially as we're looking right now. So under under the the eyes of Sean Layden, we did see more creative decisions. Mm, but looking at sure. what Jim Ryan is doing right now, he's a lot more gun shy, like to yeah. to seamlessly transition into what for 2023 look how reluctant they have been to transition from ps4 to ps5 mm. yeah After they're saying that they believed in generations correct mm. like yeah they had to alter their stance based on the world around them but that is that gun shyness right yeah in the same way that they'll do just enough because of the dollars so with the psvr2 we'll do enough to to meet the need and make it work but are we going to go all ham probably not yeah. Because it's just not fiscally valuable. Because of like, Jim well, you Ryan? know, I think he play. I think he and his uh, idea, his his desire for what PlayStation needs to be. Mm-hmm. You look at their business practices at the moment, right? They're playing safe. They oh, gun shy yeah. is that key term, right? You know, we look at we're looking remakes, right? Remakes remakes are safe money. <laughs> yeah, like we we are seeing progression in terms of new IP. You know, their gun shyness comes across in how quiet they are 
because they don't want to announce anything before they should. Mm. They don't want to announce anything in case it goes bad, right? So they are just holding all their cards to their chest in almost every work, in every way they're working, every decision that they're making, it is really shy and close to the chest. And, and even as we transition to 2023, we look ahead at what they've got. It's pretty quiet. So speaking of 2023, let's talk about 2023 and uh, what is coming in 2023, what we already know is coming and what uh, we think could still be coming uh, and just generally kind of what we feel about the year. So let's, I guess quickly, I'll recap what we know is coming in 2023. And if, if I'm missing something, then fill in the blanks for me. But Oh, I know that you're doing that that's a brilliant piece for Gaming Nexus yeah, thank uh, you. with all your upcoming games, so free yeah. plug. Thank you. Yes, I appreciate <laughs> that. Yes, I. speaking of, I actually did write an article, a little 2023 summary for GamingNexus.com. So I, this is fairly fresh in my mind, but here's what I rem- if, what is coming from either PlayStation Studios directly, a second party, uh, them, them publishing as a, as a second party. Or a third party like exclusive deal. So we have Forspoken coming January 24th. That's a third party timed exclusive. We have Season A Letter to the Future, which is a third party timed exclusive indie game, from what I can tell. Uh, in February, obviously, the big one is PSVR 2, the headset itself, and Horizon Call of the Mountain from PlayStation Studios. We also have a couple of um, second party publishing agreements. One is the Switchback VR from Supermassive Games. Um, the other is the Light Brigade. I can't remember the name of the studio, like Funktronic Labs, I think. That is like a, a roguelite dungeon crawling game. Um, and then there was something else coming in February. I'm drawing a blank on. I might have to pull my article up. Uh, and then in April, we are getting Horizon Forbidden West, Burning Shores. We know that for sure. In June, we've got Final Fantasy 16. That's a third-party timed exclusive, obviously, although I don't believe it's a timed exclusive, but they're saying it is right now. And then uh, the other thing that we know is Spider-Man 2, which they've put a fall date on, which I believe will be September, five years. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm in the September or possibly October. Yeah, so five years to the date from the first game on PS4. So that's what we know is coming. Uh, and if there's anything else you can you can... Let me know. But of that, if that lineup stands, well, let me back up. I forgot. Silent Hill 2. No, they haven't said 2023 for that. So scratch that. So, of what we know, what do you think about that lineup so far? Does that, is that enough? What do you think about it, first of all? Secondarily, is that enough for 2023? I think there's more, more to come, obviously. Yeah. We're just making our way into 2023 and we know that stuff will normally get announced in that early part of the year to back end it. So mm-hmm. very similar to this year, the front year seemed really loaded, the back year, the back of the year seemed really quiet. And then as we progressed throughout the year, it suddenly started filling up and filling up and filling up and filling up. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to see, you know, parts of next year, the first six months start to get pretty loaded. Yeah. From a PlayStation first party perspective, outside of the VR games, mm-hmm. which makes sense and spider-man which i agree with you september october is in that window that's playstation's preferred release window you know they have had some stuff release in november like uh like god of war ragnarok and you know last guardian in december x amount of years ago but they are very reluctant to work within that space because in 
history has shown. Like that's Call of Duty time. That's a bunch of other games that really kind of take the space. As we're moving forward into the continued all digital future where, you know, games can release like tomorrow on the 23rd of December if it wants to, mm-hmm. and someone will buy it somewhere. Like there's no, it doesn't have to be in a shop. So it's becoming, it's not as lumped in the year. And of course, with the success of, you know, Switch back in the day in March, which is, was completely out of, out of the ordinary for console release window. Sure. Um, there's, a, there's a bit more freedom in that sense. Mm-hmm. Factions is still unknown. Yeah, we'd certainly hope that's coming bloody soon. Fuck yeah! RE4 remake is a huge one for me. If we're looking at the start of the year, mm-hmm. uh, Hogwarts Legacy, after being delayed like a stack of times, is finally coming. Mm-hmm. And regardless of you know, uh, I personally for myself, like I'm still keen to play the game because I like the world of Harry Potter. I think J.K. Rowling's a dumpster person, but the the game itself and the world that they have created. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. And like, you know, it's a separating that art from the artist. Like, you know, she, yes, she has a say in the, in the, a larger creative vision, but what right. I want to see is what this development team have to say about this world, not about what she has to say. Her time has come, has, has gone. Sure. She had her say, she made, she built the beginnings of the world in the same way that like, I don't know, even George Lucas, right? You know, he, he, his Star Wars is done. Not in a, you know, maybe in a bad way because the ones post him are suck, but the ones he did as well also suck. The original trilogy, uh, sorry, the sequel trilogy, no, prequel trilogy, fuck. The prequel trilogy, pretty shit. And he had full creative control over them. So there's that too. <laughs> right. But, you know, and like, so Hogwarts Legacy has interest for me. I agree. Same. You know, got Dead Space remake, which looks exciting, especially on the back of Callisto Protocol, not being as awesome as it could have been. So EA really can either come in and like just swing for the fences and absolutely deliver, or we go, oh, we might recontextualize the Callisto Protocol, which is also kind of dope too. Yeah. There's the Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which looks pretty sick. Like obviously Fallen Order was really good, really well received. Like there's a lot of these little things, but like as far yeah. as it depends, I guess it depends on who you ask, right? Like for many people, Diablo Four is a big centerpiece of the year. Sure, not for me. No, definitely. You know not. what I mean? Like, <laughs> definitely. You know, they they sit in different spots for what has me excited, right? You know, as I'm sure for many, um, once again, not for me. The Breath of Wild sequel will be massive. Right. Street Fighter Six will be massive. Starfield will be massive, mm-hmm. but my, eh, you know, you know what I mean? Oh like, yeah, that- I, I think that I said on our show. I think that Spider Man, the Zelda game, and Starfield are going to be the three best selling games of the year. Am oh, I- most certainly. Like you can already see the three, the three hitters like oh, straight yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, and they might. And there's and, like I, I was gonna say they they might all come out around the same time, like within you know sixty days of each other. It's possible. I don't I don't know if they put any. I don't know if Nintendo has put a date on Zelda or not, but I could see those uh, all three of those delayed, coming out. I think. What is it? Because it was meant to come out the back end of this year. Oh, okay. So it might be an early. Oh, so it's been pushed to the twelfth of May. Okay. For the well, Legends then. of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. So, so it's an early be, one. Yeah, it'll be the first one to strike. Yeah, pretty much. And then yeah, Spider Man, which will be in the back end of the year. I mm-hmm. think it would make sense to drop Starfield in the middle of the year. Um, that, mm. that would put it a six month delay from its original 11, 11, 22. Mm-hmm. But once again, I have, 
I have outside of console preferences, I have very little faith in Microsoft's ability to release any first party yeah. exclusives. Oh, yeah. Um secondly, I have very limited faith in Bethesda mm. Softworks or software, whatever, to release something of substance. We saw what happened with um Fallout 2, especially on the back of The Witcher. We saw we saw a game that was made completely in isolation. We made a game that was completely devoid of understanding of the growth in the RPG space. So they went, oh, we'll make this and disregarded anything else that came out. Yeah. This is what people want. Everyone's like, you know, no, no. Yeah, that's cool if it was like six years ago. Like <laughs> RPGs have greatly changed. And even on the back of Outer Worlds, uh, sorry, yeah, Outer Worlds, um, you know, by Obsidian, like that's more Starfield than anything. So Starfield, and like that was really well, really well received because it was all out New Vegas in space. Right. It, uh, it looks like, unless they completely change their engine, yeah, which I believe they are, allegedly they are. No way. That engine's fucked. It's big so <laughs> they've got to do, there's a lot of expectation on Starfield to deliver. And I think there will be a lot of people that'll just gush on its dick regardless. It's very similar to Cyberpunk. Shit, even similar to myself with Ragnarok, right? Mm. Like, I'm like, I know this game's going to be brilliant. And it turned out it was. But so, kind of circling back, you mentioned that you think that PlayStation has more, that they're not done, that, that, that everything that I listed off is not everything in 2023 from them. So, I agree with you. I think there's at least. At least one more big title mm. from PlayStation in 2023. So, do you have any theories as to what else might be coming in 2023 that we don't know about yet? Is there any any anything that you feel like it could be in the ether, or any studio that might be due for a release in 2023? The problem that we have is that almost all the studios are accounted for, mm. which makes it really hard. Right. So that's th- like let's let's run through the list here just very quickly. Sure. Polyphony, they ju- I'm just gonna, I've just pulled up uh, Push Square's list of the first-party studios, and they've separated them by Japan, Europe, and, and North America. So it's not alphabetical. Okay. Polyphony Digital just released uh, GT7, and mm. we know that they take a bajillion years between stuff. They're pretty quiet. There's not mm. much coming out from them. Team Asobi, it's possible we get another Astrobot at some point. Like Astrobots. Um, the, the the one that came with the PS5 was awesome. It was sick. So and I think they were pushing towards that to be wanting to be more of a mascot. Yeah. Um. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see something this year in a very smaller capacity. Um. You agree? Yeah, I agree. I think that I think a wild card here, Ryan, is a VR game with Astro. Another VR game with Astro. Well, yeah, Astro Bot's VR uh, Astro VR mission was sick. So yeah. it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me mm-hmm. at, at all. Um, we'll go into the European studios, Fire Sprite, you know, we know they're working on Call of the Mountain. So once that drops, they're pretty quiet. Guerrilla Games just released Forbidden West. They're just about to pop out the DLC. Mm. They're quiet. We will not see any major release from them outside of that. Housemark dropped to Returnal semi-recently. They looked appear to be working on the port to PC. So there's very unlikely we'll see something new from them either. London Studio, we know they're working on that sort of RPG set in London. Mm-hmm. That's got no estimated time frame on it. So I'm saying that's probably 2024. Uh, Media Molecule just seem to want to waste time in, in, <laughs> in, in dreams. God, so I, there's nothing of note coming out from them. Mm-hmm. Nixus, PC ports, nothing amazing. Right. Savage Game Studios, these guys are the, the ones who were bought to do mobile stuff. 
Oh, yeah. So it's possible that they might drop something, but even then, like they were purchased this year. So it's unlikely that we'd see them deliver something in 2023, possibly 2024, but mobile development is probably a little bit different. So who knows? Yeah. Bend, I know, heading to the North American side. So do you line up with those thoughts around the European studios? I do. Yeah. I don't disagree with anything there. Yeah, so we look at so we look at the North American studios. Bend, Bend off days gone. We know there was they were working on something that kind of got scrapped, and then they're they're a little quiet at the moment. So, uh, and seeing how long it took them to deliver Days Gone, and now you know I quite enjoy Days Gone, but Days Gone as you play it, you you can clearly see a studio that's learning how to work mm. within that system as they're building the game. Like you would argue the back end of the game is substantially better than the first. It's almost like they built the game in linear order <laughs> right. because you start to see them learn new development techniques, new mechanics, new systems as they're building the game. And they don't go back and put it at the start of the game. They go, oh, well, we've already done the start. Let's move on to the next. They're, they're writing right. it like a novel. Yeah. So that, they're pretty quiet for a while. That. Yeah. Um, Blue Point is probably the biggest outlier here in that they've been quiet since release mm-hmm. of PS5 with uh, Dark Souls. Yeah. So the, either the rumor mill for the longest time is they're working on a Metal Gear remake. Oh, that would man. be amazing. Would and be. they released a picture on their Twitter this uh, this week or yeah. last week. I'm going to ask you about a that. Christmas tree with a bunch of things and it's a cardboard box with a bow on it or at least a plain looking box. Yeah. It's got to be something. And you, would, and you would notice the color of the bow is red, very similar to the exclamation marks that pop up above mm-hmm. an enemy's head in Metal Gear. There's just enough there to go, is it Metal Gear? Mm-hmm. Now, of course, they could be just fuck-assing around, which is possible. <laughs> and possible. it's very mean if they are, but it's possible. Do I still think, you know, there's other rumor that they work on a Bloodborne remake? No. no. Everyone wants a Bloodborne remake, and I totally get it. It's but not happening. If you'd think. had one, you'd have one. It, it's... It's not, it's not now. I'm sorry. Yeah, I agree that that ship has sailed in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Haven, still too green. We're yeah. not going to see anything 2024, 2025. I agree. Uh, Insomniac, they got their hands full with Spider-Man 2 uh, and then Wolverine as well. So they're busy outside of their one release we know coming next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Naughty Dog, Factions is the answer. Mm-hmm. With that 2023, most likely because it's getting further and further away. That'll be pushing three years since the release of Last of Us Part Two. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I understand they kind of would want to get as far away from the controversy of Last of Us Part Two as they could, but the second they release Factions, that old stuff will come up regardless. So yeah. the amount of time between Part Two and Factions is irrelevant if they want to avoid that previous conversation. Yeah. Then they'll go quiet. I think that Factions is coming in 2023. It just makes too much sense. And actually, I have been, I was of the belief until recently that this would make a ton of sense as one of the live service games in that, that are allegedly we're getting, mm. still getting two live service games by the end of March, which I have theories on those but, as well. But to me, it would have made oh, a I'd ton- love to hear them. Yeah. Okay. Well, it would make a ton of sense, in my opinion, to put Factions out by the end of March. That's not going to happen, I think. And the reason why I say that is because the show is coming out January 15th, obviously. And I think they're actually, there's that synergy there, right? It's like, oh, it's going going to be a big fucking show for HBO. It's going to be, the show is going to be big, Mm. in my opinion. I really feel that. It's going to be a big show. And then you want to kind of feed off of that 
and have this game out there that's accessible. It just make it, it feels like it would make too much sense. But like, oh, hey, there's also this free to play Last of Us game that's, you know, that ties into that show that you just watched that you love that you didn't know anything about. You should check it out. You can play it on PC. You can play it on PS5, whatever. They're not going to do to do that. I don't think I don't think I think that's too soon. But they're filling that void, in my opinion, by putting part one, uh, the PC release of part one on March the 3rd to kind what of. What if they back end, back end the first season with factions? I, that was so, like, you know, if, if they're yeah. doing, say, a 13 episode, the standard is 13 mm-hmm. episodes, right? So what if they do, or 12, so what if they do six weeks, uh, so six weeks in a row mm-hmm. of the show? They have a mid-season break. Most shows tend to do this, and then they drop the other six. You know, and then at the end of that second six, and they season finale, there's factions. That would be so dope. I think that honestly would be too good to be true. And but that I that allows for marketing time. Yeah, that allows for you know because even at the at the end of that first se- that mid season, the beginning of that mid-season break. Yeah, they can announce that they're like, hey, we've got more episodes coming later in the year, and all we also have this. I I think you are spot on for then that was that's been my sentiment as well is like you you should capitalize on this like this the show is going to be fucking huge man I really feel that it's going to be fucking huge and they need to capitalize on it and the PC port of part one is fine but that doesn't have the same type of panache and pizzazz that putting out this multiplayer free to play game on PS5 and PC would like it it it's, mm. it's not the same because there's something to be said about releasing these multiplayer games into an environment that has a lot of buzz. And if you can get people in while they're already having this water cooler experience with the last of us television show. And then that evolves into, well, I checked out the video game too for this, you know, and it's really cool and you should play with me and oh, it's free. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Man, they could fucking hammer down on this, but I don't think it's going to make it. And the reason why I think that is because they just a couple of months ago maybe hired the guy from Epic who did design the battle pass for Fortnite. And may- maybe but a could- battle pass is about future work, right? It's not about the base game. That is true. The season pass is about bringing the forwards. So maybe they've built the base game. Like, well, now mm. we need to. We're in the final parts or in the back end. How do we keep this going moving forward? Let's bring a guy that can help us moving forward. Like if they were like, hey, we're bringing in someone to work on how we create multiplayer servers. Yeah, yeah that's a problem because you should have that down by now. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah, because I mean, they, in theory, in I guess in in practice, they wouldn't need a battle pass ready to go. Because let's use Call of Duty as example, or for as an example, I should say, Modern Warfare Two, one of the most popular multiplayer games on the planet. They released the game October twenty eighth, right? And they didn't have the first battle pass go live until. Well, it was only probably only three weeks after. I think it was like the middle of November they finally put out the first uh, season mm. pass for the game. So they had like a three-week delay. So I guess you could do that, right? You could you could put out the game in March sometime, like you said, right after the show is ending or as it's ending, and then have the battle pass come around in April maybe or even May. Well, yeah, because the show is coming out in Jan. Yes, because so, at least most the old way of running TV – yeah. yeah, it was yeah six you six episodes. You have a break for a couple of months, and then you do the second half, right? Mm-hmm. So you you leave in the middle of middle of the season has a massive cliffhanger. A couple yeah. of months wait. Now, granted, delivery method of TV has changed since then, where it's like here's everything, here's twelve weeks in a row. Yeah, but like three months is a pretty good marketing cycle. So like we're you know January through to April maybe, or even if they push it, you might drop in June. Mm-hmm. 
you know, as, as we said right now, PlayStation don't have anything in the middle of the year. Right. I And, you know, when did, uh, you know, three years ago in June? Oh, wait, was it June? No, it was around about May when Last of Us Part 2 dropped. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was no. Yeah. Was it May or June? I don't remember. Oh, shit. I don't remember. I want to say it was June. No, Once no, again, no. I played it early, so it throw, it, the time it, throws out for me. It was May because Ghost of Tsushima released a month later in June, right? That's right. There we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, you know, if there's a, say there's a month break in between the, in the, in within the season, yeah, you're going to middle of the middle of the year, enough time to push the market. I think that that would actually, all this is theoretical because sure. will it happen? <laughs> oh, it's so unlikely. <laughs> sure. Yeah. We're just, you know, we're throwing darts at the board, but I think we, I think we're, I think we're talking from, from a place of educated, educated guests at the very least, because I think that we're making good points in terms of rationale and you know just basing you tying your ip to there's this big push obviously playstation productions there's shows out the ass there's movies out the ass whatever there's live service games like this is what we're getting like it's playstation live service playstation tv shows and movies like this is what they're heading towards right so like you're just kind of it just feels like that is such a fucking opportunity that you cannot miss, in my opinion. But it just seems like it's too. I don't know. On the, that's on one hand, and then on the other hand, it also seems like it's too soon. But to your point, I mean, you're right. It's it'll be almost three years since they made The Last of Us, uh, Part Two, I should say. And we also know that they were, I'm sure, in some form or fashion, working on the multiplayer, uh, at least in a probably pre-production role or uh, from a pre-production standpoint at the very least while they were developing part two uh, i think they said as much you know we didn't include it in the game because we it got too big or whatever they said something yeah like they started it and then then they, then they expanded the scope of it yeah. yeah so i do agree i agree with your points I, I, you make some great points and i agree with your logic and i think that man if they could find a way to do that if they could find a way to get the free to play and I'm assuming it's free to play. We don't know that. There's just been reports of that. But if they, even it if it costs make, it money, it would make sense in terms of what they want. Yeah, it would make sense. I agree. And by by they, I mean PlayStation is. Yeah, and I think that I think that case is strengthened too. Would you agree by the fact that they hired the guy that did the Fortnite battle pass? Like, why would you make a battle pass for? I mean, it does happen. Don't get me wrong. I mean, look at Call of Duty. I, I guess so. I mean, but so I guess I just kind of talk myself out yeah, but almost, i also but... think it's more of an <laughs> they want the understanding of uh, i would assume if it were me and i had mm -hmm. access to this person i would go well i want the best person not because i want to mirror Fortnite, right because no, i want yeah. to mirror their business practices yeah because one of the biggest things that people have a problem with is the value proposition of, of a season pass yeah or a battle pass they're like well it's, it's got the you know it's got to have just enough to hook you but not be too expensive, have enough reward, but not enough. Like mm -hmm. it's a really tough balance. And as much as I don't play Fortnite, nor do I really think highly of it, mm -hmm. you can't argue that they do a brilliant job. Oh yeah, no question. And then we look, and then we look at other other games that come out and try to drop a battle pass, and it's horrendous. <laughs> yes, because that, they are they're approaching it from the wrong angle, mm -hmm. right? Whether it be they're looking at it purely from a monetary purely from a retention rather than a reward for retention uh, it's a it's a very tough balance because it's, it's essentially psychology and it's positive positive behavior reinforcement right right by playing the game by doing this you get a reward but not too much for a reward. 
Sure. If you got everything, why would you come back? Yeah. But exactly. it's not negatively impacting you for your time either. It's respecting you. It's, very, it's a very fine balance. And mm-hmm. this individual may help get them to that space mm-hmm. because, you know, if they, if it goes bad, it doesn't just tarnish the Last of Us name, mm-hmm. which is already unnecessarily tarnished, mm-hmm. which is in a different way. Right. So you had a couple of studios left, I think. We were yeah, on Naughty so Dog. Got, so uh, who was left? We've got Pixelopus, so obviously their last oh, yeah. release being Concrete Genie, which I think is exceptional. But these guys are, a, at essence, an independent studio. There's like 20, 30 mm-hmm. people in there. So we might have something, but it's right. not massively likely. Uh, San Diego, obviously, we'll have MLB The Show in the first part of the year. Definitely. Um, but as we know now, that kind of goes everywhere, uh, which is which is great. But even then, the rumor mill for the longest time has been that San Diego Studio has a secondary studio. Mm-hmm. Um, the rumor mill was that they were working on an Uncharted either remake and or sequel. Mm-hmm. So will we see that next year? Possibly. But mm-hmm. once again, it'd be a very tight release yeah. and knowing that like we mentioned before with gorilla you know gorilla they're not doing much well there's the alleged uh, horizon zero dawn remake yeah i forgot about that you know what i mean so like are they going to release that alongside the show and that netflix yeah. show as far as i know hasn't started filming yet you know there's a lot of, there's a lot of time to play with there for gorilla yeah. uncharted there's the sequel movie if it's ever doing one i know it, did, it made enough money to be considered mm-hmm. but like there's no impending pressure for an uncharted game there is a greater pressure for a horizon remake but where we just had one but a game we're about to get some dlc and a vr so it would actually make sense for them to push that out a little bit longer and a multiplayer game yeah and the multiplayer there's a lot there so that remake might be a while away yeah Agreed. Santa Monica just released one of the greatest games of all time, and most certainly this year, they're going to go have a snooze. They're going to take some time. Now, allegedly, like Corey Bar- uh, Barlog and the team are working on a new IP. Yeah. So there's that. But once again, that will itself will be a couple of years away. Yeah. Uh, Sucker Punch coming off the back of uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, the rumor mill is there is, I think they didn't disclose they're working on a sequel. Yeah. We ain't seeing that next year. Not happening. No. Uh, and then the last one is is Valkyrie. So Valkyrie is a, like a relatively new pickup. Also, oh, yeah. yeah, not quite sure what they could really do. I think, I think they're mostly support. Am I right about that? Like they're helping. Yeah. Them. So they they did a lot of work with uh, with Ragnarok as in that in that support place. Right. But yeah, it's possibly that they're doing some work alongside that. Uh, uh, those uh, what are they? We just said it a moment ago. Because Haven were doing it too. The games as a service mm. ones, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. Doing assets and stuff like that. Yeah, they, yeah. They, I think they're they're involved in a capacity, but I don't think they're going to have their own big title just yet. Right. Yeah. I so would, the, it looks pretty dry outside of what we know. Right. Even what we look forward to, we look ahead of. But thankfully, once again, even regardless of what people's stance are around exclusives because i still i still believe first party exclusives are essential i agree second party exclusives are desired um and i in i i i I baffles me that people don't seem to understand the difference (laughs) because what you know microsoft's desire to buy the cow rather than just the milk sure 
frustrates me because that restricts it not just this game but any game moving forward a second party exclusive deal although shitty for those that don't have that console doesn't forever prohibit that game from ever coming to you right yeah right and and that's the big difference a whole different in mindset right oh yeah and and, and that's my my big problem so but like playstation have that locked down with the likes of your final fantasies Mm. um your silent hill you know the uh stuff like that so like they've got enough to bolster a very limited first party setup yeah now when you want to compare that to xbox who didn't have any massive massive releases this year they did have some stuff come to game pass in a relatively exclusive concept but game pass is disposable the games that you play on there are <laughs> devalued like i never everyone jokes but it is it's devalued right yeah it's the same way that phone games aren't worth dick anymore even if they're mm-hmm. brilliant they're not worth anything because they're disposable yeah, that's Game Pass is can, treated the same way. So the idea of these second party exclusives within within Microsoft don't work, right. and that is, I believe, why Microsoft are, are going down this line of wanting to buy everything first party because they know second party doesn't work. Because the second it comes off Game Pass, it's popping up everywhere else and will do fine. Yeah, I I'm I'm not a fan of the Game Pass model for pretty much all the reasons you just said. I and I think if anyone other than Microsoft was doing it, that they they wouldn't be like if it was not Microsoft, they would not do it. As as most people know, Microsoft is just a stupid big company with a stupid amount of money, and they can basically you know use this model to almost you know to to make themselves to try to force themselves into being competitive. And and like you were saying, they've gone out and they've bought these teams that are going to make these games for them. And, you know, I don't know that outside of like maybe a few franchises, like there's nothing that Microsoft has really made or developed or grown that is all that compelling, at least on their own. You know what I'm saying? There is nothing, there is no individual franchise that they have built on their own. Right. Even Halo, right? Bungie made it for Mac. They bought it. Gears of War made by Epic. They bought it. Yeah. Pretty sure even like Forza was external. And they've only just bought the studios to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. Microsoft's entire business model is buy someone else's shit. But don't not build the culture, not not build the 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 setup, the understanding, whatever, which is PlayStation, you know, aside from when their hands were forced with the likes of Haven, but once again, they've never released anything, so it doesn't matter. Savage, the same. Valkyrie, Nixus, Fire Sprite, they've created working relationships beforehand. So yeah. it's a very different approach. Even Insomniac, right? Insomniac made a stack of exclusive games previously with the likes of um, Ratchet yeah. and Clank, then went away and then came back. And then they went, hey, would you like to work with us? You know, where Microsoft just walks in, throws the check down and goes, well, we want you. Like it's the complete mm. total, total philosophical approach to it all. And the expression that I heard the other day, which I think lines up brilliantly, is Microsoft uh, have the ability to change the economic structure of the games industry. Mm, yeah. Because Microsoft, oh, sorry, is so large that Xbox is such a small percentage of it, they don't, it's like they don't worry about money right. in that office will make them a stack of coin. Azure will make them a stack of coin, right? They, they have so many other lines of revenue outside of, micro, outside of Xbox. <laughs> that they can literally run in the red forever. Yeah. And, and because if they, when they 
By doing so, it alters the market, which means anyone that wants to compete with them also have to run in the red. But because they're smaller and don't have that supports behind them, they will crumble and they will fall. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. And it's so it doesn't uh, so it de- it devalues the, the 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 quality of games. It devalues the industry at large in terms of this is what we need to make. It devalues the cost of games mm-hmm. because how many different times you're like, now nah, I'll play when it comes to Game Pass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can like, see oh, it's it. coming to Game Pass. I am not going to play it. Yeah, you can see it whenever they. Uh, if you follow anyone on Twitter who tweets out like what the percentage of uh, games played on which console are. Like there was some big release recently that only six percent of people played it on Xbox or bought it on Xbox, I should say, in the UK. So that tells you that either they're playing it on Game Pass or they're not playing it all on Xbox. Yeah, and then and then you look like once again the Game Awards are are subjective and and, people you can discuss what that what an individual's belief on the value of Game Pass sorry of value of the Game Awards is when you don't have a single game within your first party delivery at that event you're a problem yeah and even a- <laughs> when they do they ain't there like think about the like, think about the last handful of in-house made xbox exclusive i'm not seeing this is not console war bullshit this is relatively objective right yeah yeah i agree relatively you know sure. i'm coming at it with a with, with a with a slant so it's relatively <laughs> sure you look at the last release, the last string of releases from PlayStation, right? God of War Ragnarok, Game of the Year nominated. Horizon Forbidden West, Game of the Year nominated. Last of Us Part Two, Game of the Year nominated. Ghost of Tsushima, Game of the Year nominated. Halo Infinite, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Forza, brilliant. Forza fucking smashes GT every time. Mm-hmm. These these were made before their acquisition of those of playground etc right yep grounded it's released on game pass obsidian were making it before they were purchased death loop (laughs) made prior to the purchase Mm-hmm. Like they've got nothing, <laughs> nothing to show, and like it's all like they have incredible potential, and I cannot fucking wait to see what that potential is. I really can't because yeah. a competitive market is a good market, and if Xbox can come to a point where they can deliver this similarly matched high quality games, fuck yes, I agree. We need Give that me. really. Yeah, we need. But that like for sure. even Starfield. Redfall. These were in production before they were purchased. And the same as like Psychonauts 2, as well received as it was, that was pretty much 90% made before they before Double Fine were purchased. It right. is not, should not be considered a PlayStation purchase. I Does that make sense? Oh yeah. yeah uh, sorry, sure. a, a Microsoft purchase. Yeah. So my phone started ringing through me out. No, I think you hit the nail on the head, but uh it's going to be an interesting 2023 to, to see yeah. how it all shakes out and how it comes together. And uh, it's going to be a big year for games. This is kind of the post COVID, you know, whatever you want to call it, a rush of games from, from really all parties. And uh, so it's going to be, I think it quite a battle from between Xbox and, and PlayStation as it should be. And uh, as you were alluding to, we need that uh, for healthy competition in the industry. And <clears throat> we need that as PlayStation fans to keep them honest in a way. So I'm looking forward to it. And there's going to be a lot of games to play. Our wallets are going to suffer for it, but we're going to hopefully have a have a good ride along the way in 2023. But uh, Ryan, I did want to 
I'm run, I've, I've ran out of time, but I did want to ask you about the yeah, Activision, Activision deal, but I won't do it. And I'm tired of talking about it anyway. So in short, I was originally really confident that it would have happened regardless. Now, yeah. not so much. Yeah, I agree. Ditto. But my, yeah, my challenge with it very, in very quick thoughts is it's the precedent that establishes, right? Yeah. Regardless of what happens, this is the biggest acquisition ever. If this goes through without, without contest, any sale that is less than this, yeah. anyone, if any regulator tries to stop it, they go, well, the Activision deal was bigger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mean, why, why, yeah. Why, why are you stopping me? Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's think, the problem. Yep. Bingo. I totally agree. So I think it's very much in question at this point. But uh, Also, and I should also mention Sony are totally in the fucking wrong here too. They are just as full of shit. Everyone's oh, yeah. full of shit in this scenario. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's been comical to read all the shit. And you're absolutely right. They're both full of shit. So. But anyway, Ryan, I, thank you again for, for joining me, for uh, doing the show with me, for somewhat filling in for Travis. But I wanted to have you on and, and do a little holiday a little holiday special here. And uh, so I appreciate you coming on and doing the show. And I also wanted to give you the, the floor here as we head out to, uh, to pimp yourself, to tell people where they can find you and how they can listen to you and you and Max and your all show and all that good stuff. So the floor is yours. I appreciate it. Yeah, no. If you if you enjoyed the bullshit that I, that I say and and the the way I yeah present myself, uh, you can check out our, my weekly PlayStation podcast. We're hitting we did two hundred and seventy nine episodes, and we're oh. at right now as we as we end the end the year. So we it's called For the Players, the Pop Culturist PlayStation podcast. Releases every Monday morning at eight a.m. and nine a.m. Australian Eastern Standard or Daylight Savings Time. The way we sell it is that we are the late night show of PlayStation Podcasts in that we deliver it differently in the way that the DualSense pod here is a very news focused. It's very mm-hmm. uh, analytical in that sense. We do that too, but it's for us, it's wrapped in personality. It's wrapped in high energy. It's, it's wrapped in us, the Max and myself, the host, like you're coming to see to us and what we have to say. And now you know, Max has got a couple of years in the industry now. I've been doing this for near on a decade. Like it's, it's wrapped in personality and silliness and lighthearted and, and entertainment, but it's grounded in knowledge and understanding and experience. It's one of those things. What we do, although inspired by other shows out there, there's not much else like it. Sure. Well, Ryan is one of, if not my favorite person in uh, the PlayStation podcast space. And oh, I mean, I think, so. I think as much as obvious as the, as you can, as a parent from the fact that I hear the only person that I ever have on the show. So yeah, definitely check him, him and Max out and uh, check out their show every week. And if you want to follow my nonsense in the written form, you can over at Twitter at HaggardMC, H-A-G-G-A-R-D-M-C. Um, I mostly either talk about wrestling, PlayStation, or my wrestling. kid. Um, so yeah, yeah, there you go. But yeah, cool. thank you for having me again, dude. Like it's, it's an absolute blast. Like it's, it's. I do feel, you know, I feel for Travis. I intend up just come and replace him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, there are times where I get to come in and chat with the both of you, and that's it's an always a blast. I'm going to get you on mine at some point. Yeah, um, let's do it. I mean, Max is too reliable, and he's there every week, which is brilliant. But like, <laughs> you know, we do have our supplementary so- show, More the Players, which was something that we want to do more of. We want to do a lot this year, but we just time got away from us. Yeah. In the next year, we're going to start doing, you know, weekly episode reviews of The Last of Us. We wanted to have um, Travis come and talk GT7 with us, and then oh, the yeah. world got really busy, and we both kind that. of forgot. So, yeah, like, we'll have to get you over to do something. I don't yeah. know what it is. It might be if there's a showcase, we'll do a big 
collab show or something. Nice. We'll work it out. Yeah, that'd would be dope. To I would love that. The only the only issue I see with that is if uh, I feel like if your audience hears me for the first time, they're going to do like the thing with the meme where the person's like making the face and like taking the headphones off because they're going to like, who the fuck is this cowboy that Ryan's gone out and got? Well, that hap- that happens. You know, I'm sure this happens when when people listen to your show. Like, I don't <laughs> think I have a very prominent Australian accent, yeah. but like when sitting next to yourself, like I'm sure it comes through clear as day. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, I mean, like where where I don't speak very Australian. Mm-hmm. Or very Australian, you know. So it's just like there are certain words, certain pronunciations, just little things here and there. And so yeah, yeah, it totally happens. Well, thank you again, man. And if you guys want to follow our show, of course, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a review or a rating on your podcast service, as well as the YouTube. Leave us a like and a comment. We'd very much appreciate that. Don't forget to subscribe if you want to get a new episode delivered to you every Monday on your podcast service or the YouTube if you listen there. And uh, yeah, share us with a friend or a loved one as well. That always helps. And uh, we would love to talk into their ear holes every week as well. Don't forget to find us on social media as well. We're on Twitter at the DualSense Pod, but we have a TikTok now, believe it or not. Uh, Instagram, where we share virtual photography. Uh, Facebook, which I still really don't know why we have it, but whatever the fuck. And then we have a blog, which is called the DualSense Podcast dot wordpress.com you can see our photos there our bios you can get the show notes each week and the episodes there as well so be sure to find us wherever you are we would love to hear from you and we hope you enjoyed the show with our friend ryan betson and we will talk at you next time thank you bye-bye more like next year merry christmas happy new year